When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Geico presents Motorcycle Word of the Day. Today's word is gremlin. Is a gremlin an unknown and persistent mechanical issue? Or is it something large that gets caught in your teeth when you ride with your mouth open? As in... Man, I gotta stop singing 80s power ballads when I ride. Ugh, keep getting gremlins in my teeth. See? Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Welcome to Is This Real Life, a podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of pop culture and reality TV to our own lives. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Imani Marcus from the Mixing with Mani podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? It is so nice to finally connect. We've been chatting it up on the Insta. Um, I barely know how to use Instagram for anyone who follows my account. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. But we've been talking and you have such a hilarious view on all things Housewives. Yes, I love Housewives. I absolutely can't get enough. I started my podcast, Mixing with Moni, um, about a little under three months ago. And ever since then, I've been like, it's really was just a place for me to kind of deep dive into all the things that no one in my like real life really cares about Um, and to kind of get my (laughs) obsessions out because everyone else I talk to they're just like Monty we don't care and I'm like it's a major deal that Bethany's leaving New York and they're like who and I'm like okay I, I need other people to talk to and then I've started to find my community through Instagram and podcasting and now I'm here and I'm so excited when Bethany left I had so many text messages like with people being like are you okay Oh my gosh, yes. I probably was all over the place that day. I could not, I didn't know where to put it first, post it first. I didn't know literally what to do. I was like, this is probably the biggest, I almost cried. Um, You would think I've met her. You would think I knew her, um, that she was a part of my life, and she's not. Well, but she is. (laughs) You're right. You're right. I mean, I was literally like, this is a crisis. Like this 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 is a crisis because for me, it's not so much about missing her. It's about what will happen to the real housewives of New York as a franchise, as the premier franchise. I don't know what this looks like anymore. I, I don't know what it means. I think New York definitely has the most amount of OGs that have still been on the show. Like, since the beginning, I think three is a magic number. There's, I don't think any other, I can't think of any other franchise that has three of still the same original 
cast members and even more than three they've been on there for like longer than three or four seasons right like I think Rena on Beverly Hills is like the closest we get to like a long reign of Housewives but other than that New York is like you don't mess with that cast right they're perfect perfect I don't need anything added or taken away like I just needed to stay and now I don't know what to do I don't know what it's gonna look like without her I mean, I'm ready. I think we might see some other people's time to shine. But I've heard that Ramona is holding out on filming over a bigger contract because she knows without Bethany, they were paying Bethany top dollar. So she's like, well, I bet I can get more money now that Bethany's no longer on the cast. You know, she's not Uh dumb. And so she was apparently withholding, you know, view like videotaping with them which is so interesting because i also she was definitely trolling and like baiting all of her followers and everything like to say guess what i'm doing today or going to go have drinks with five women can you guess what we're doing like she definitely was doing that and i think it was probably like a leverage thing of like look at everyone's so excited that we're recording and that we're finally like taping and you need to give me my money because everyone's so excited like i'm not gonna leave too but we all know ramona is not going anywhere. Right, right. Yeah, right. I mean, Ramona thinks that she is like the bread and butter of New York. And so she's going to definitely stay where she's at. I mean, we need her though. Now that we've lost Bethany, I don't want to lose anyone else. Anybody so, else goes and it's probably going to be the franchise. That's, that'll probably be it. It's like, pay her. Just pay her, Bravo. Come on. Yeah, I guess. You might as well. What else you got to do? I always have a, I have a really weird understanding of how Bravo divides up their money and I guess we could talk about that a little bit I just don't get it and I think it reflects a lot in the ratings the shows that they promote and which ones they kind of don't and then the paychecks and stuff that they give out like Denise Richards getting four million dollars to be on Beverly Hills like I like her but I'm like if if we're spending all our money on Beverly Hills what are we doing for the other (laughs) franchises which is why I don't understand why we can't like spread the wealth a little bit. Cause I think some of right. these other franchises need a little bit of help right now. I think especially so. Especially OC. <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute. But what's interesting is that Beverly Hills does generate the most viewers, even they more do. than New York, which, which is, is so crazy to me. But then I look back, I started with Beverly Hills. You want to know something? I think I did too. It's all such a blur because it was well over like eight or nine years ago. Like so many things have happened. Like I have no real memory of what happened and how I ended up becoming obsessed with one television station. But I I don't understand when like one channel on the TV guy became my actual like existence. But I'm pretty sure Beverly Hills was my first like trip down the rabbit hole. I remember when it began. It's definitely the first one I saw from start to finish. And I think, and I didn't see it from start. I started it from season four. But for Ooh, me, have you gone back? I have not, and I cannot <gasps> wait to. It is going to be a treat. <laughs> I'm just going to wait sure until I get the flu or have to have surgery or something like oh that. Oh, my gosh. I know what happens because I've been watching long okay, enough yeah. and they always do flashbacks. But I still think it's worth oh, it's holding totally kind of keeping in my back pocket. I feel bad for you because as soon as this gets out, people are going to be like, you have no idea what you're waiting for. I know. With season one and two, you're going to 
die. I don't think there's any better television than the first couple seasons of the Richard sisters and then of Brandy Glanville, her out the gate season. It's just kind of like, it's iconic. I maybe started in three. No, I think it was four. So there's that. But I think the reason I started with Beverly Hills is because it is, it's beautiful there. It's warm. It's sunny. Mm -hmm. It's aspirational living at its finest. And that's why I wanted to watch. I want the big houses. I want the nice cars. I want the designer clothes. The things we watch Housewives for. Exactly. But it has changed for me. As I've become a more mature viewer, I want more context. I want more nuance. I want more grit from my housewives, which brings us to Potomac, which I absolutely love. And it has a couple things that I don't like, but this season was incredible. In particular, I don't appreciate young housewives because I want to watch women of a certain age. They're yeah, more Yeah, that's lived, what makes it aspirational. Right? It's, it's just also they're more interesting. I don't need someone in their upper 20s or early 30s. Certainly no one younger than me. So that's why I watch Vanderpump Rules. Yes, I like to see the, which also makes a little bit more sense to me because it, within context, it's mind boggling to me. I don't root for like Ashley Darby the same way as I do for like Stassi or totally. um, or when they get married on Vanderpump Rules, it's like genuinely exciting. You saw them come from the bottom to the top. You see them progressing and maturing. And, but then you watch Ashley, who is literally about the same age and you're just like, I don't feel sorry for you. Like something about this is not right. Like I don't really feel like I connect with this storyline. I did not grow with you. You didn't go through the stages of like becoming some like progressed figure in within your own life. You didn't, we didn't see you become find your, find yourself as we do on Vanderpump Rules. We literally watched them go from like the gutter. to like. I know they're they're incredible. (laughs) Um, I'm seeing Stassi next Friday in oh, Ivy City. She's going to be at, yeah, the City Winery in D.C. So I'll try and say hi and show her a picture of my dog that is named after her. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm sure she will love that. Um, so going to do a quick recap of the of uh, Potomac, and I want to get your thoughts so starts with we find out that Ashley is pregnant. She is only six yes. weeks pregnant, and I was very weirded out by her obstetrician making it seem as if this was a go for sure because it is definitely not a go just because you have a heartbeat and because it seems like it's strong. Right. So right. no idea why what his deal was. Her whole thing about how they're a real family now. That was really creepy. Then Candace and Chris decide to take over their own mortgage like real adults. And when they tell Candace's mom, Dorothy, (laughs) her response is that she is wondering if Candace is trying to compete with her. Odd. Then Robin and Juan get tattoos. Karen launches La Dame Fragrance. Uh, Katie shows up and was super weird. And we find out that after filming, Monique had her baby. So that was this week. What are your thoughts? Um, I don't know why they tried to make it such a 
like ordeal that Ashley was pregnant. She's the baby exists, so we know that we know that happened. Uh, there was no need to like make it some major storyline. I would have just been like a this many weeks later or whatever. Like as soon as I got home, I realized I was pregnant and we're happy and maybe gone straight to the OBGYN. We didn't need to see the whole. Oh my god, am I pregnant? I mean, that was just that's my opinion. I think they did they did that to kind of humanize the situation a little bit and make us feel for her, but doesn't excuse the fact that this entire season has been a complete and utter like roller coaster of emotions for viewers, especially watching their relationship and her defense of their relationship. I do feel also a little, oh no, I don't, because I forgot in context, the reunion was filmed after she had the baby. So I'm no longer concerned. About her health and safety, like um, like you know, Housewives of Atlanta, Portia filmed at like eight months pregnant, and I was like, that's dangerous. The stress alone seems like a lot, but I I'm happy for Ashley that she got a baby, and that is what I will say on that. That seems the most um, the nicest thing that I can muster about that situation because babies are beautiful, and I think that's great that she has a new life. I, I agree with you. I think some of the words that she used, the rhetoric seemed a little uh, um, cryptic. And also the hug that she got, his reaction to everything pregnant, that episode was weird for me. I did not like it very much. I felt very weirded out. She like pulled his neck in for a hug and kiss when she when the doctor said she was, the baby was fine. He didn't seem like he was that interested. And then his reaction with the mom finding out was so like, now you don't have to, you know, you get, aren't you happy? You get a baby without having to do all the work yourself. Huh? Isn't that cool? I'm like, this is the reaction of a a husband who's really happy to have a baby with his wife. Like I, I I did not get it. I don't feel that vibe there. I mean, I don't feel it either, but I also think that after the allegations and him getting in trouble for apparently grabbing a cameraman's butt, um, I believe it must have been weird for him to be filmed again with the crew after all Mm. of that went down. That's a very good point. My interpretation was him being hyper aware of the cameras and the crew and not really acting like what his normal self is. Not Uh. that his normal self is good. <laughs> yes. Okay. Very, very good. Okay. So that gives me a little bit of insight. I, I, I definitely feel like I can understand that perspective. And then switching on over to Candace, I'm oh her mom God. and her relationship is really stressful for me. It does make for good TV, but it is, it's a little intense, but I am worried about where, how they're, the show is essentially paying for this mortgage now. Like yes. she, her income is because I don't think most people know that little context, especially because I was born and raised in the DMV. None of these ladies live in Potomac except for Monique and now apparently Karen who moved back. Three of them like live in Virginia and the other two like live one on in both outside of Baltimore and one on the other side of the Beltway in Prince George's County by the National Harbor. And Candace's townhouse on the National Harbor is like almost a million dollars. It's like eight hundred thousand dollars. And I'm just like, are, is Chris selling that many ribs that we can do this by ourselves? Or is it really we've solidified our spot on Bravo and now we think that we can do it without our mom's help? I don't know. I just thought it was a little premature 
Well, it was to, only $1,200 a month that they were taking from the mom. And that well, adds it was $1,200. I think she said it was $1,200 more that she's paying on the mortgage yes. because her mom's not helping her. But her mom was giving her $4,000 a month in total. Oh. She oh, said that in their that. therapy session. Yes. In their therapy session, she was like, she's like, okay, yes, my mom does give me four grand a month. I was like, that's a lot of money. Four grand is why, a lot. I yeah. can see why Dorothy feels so entitled to making decisions in her life. But if she's not taking any money from Dorothy, then Dorothy doesn't have control. Even Which is understandable. You yeah. know, I think Dorothy has some control in that the deed to the house is likely in her name or partially yeah, in her name. I but think so. <laughs> it's so interesting that Candace and Dorothy aren't speaking, but they communicate through Chris. That is interesting. I can understand that. Chris seems like maybe the only level-headed person yeah. in that dynamic. Aside from her sister, which the little bit that we got at the winery, I felt like her sister was the only level-headed person in the whole house. Yeah, up. that's why she doesn't get screen time. <laughs> which is so funny because she's the youngest and she's like considerably younger. She's like 24. Well, we see young, you know, pearls of wisdom from Jolie. Oh, yeah. On the OC. A 13-year-old so, queen. I love and her. Stassi's younger brother that was on earlier oh, episodes of Vanderpump Rules. So. What a king. I love him. Yep, you're right. <laughs> so we, we do here. It, it just was a bizarre dynamic. There's actually a lot of mother-daughter relationships that they've been showing across all these franchises. So we have this one um, in Dallas. We've got Mama D and Deandra. In the OC, we've got Bronwyn and Dr. Deb. So a lot of mother-daughter tension. And in some of the situations, at least in two, money is involved. And that is never a good thing. It's never a good thing. But I do also feel like in some regard, in order, I hate to say this, but I feel like in some way you had to have some kind of like a shitty dynamic with some parental figure in order to even kind of be a housewife. Like something in the way that what makes a good housewife and what makes good TV doesn't usually track with having like a really stable, loving home and upbringing and even adulthood. I've We've never really met a housewife that lasts long and had a good like had a good long run on Bravo that had like that was totally together and secure or like not narcissistic and they didn't have like a little bit of a twerk of of some kind of you know quirk to them and then when you show the moms on TV it's kind of like a it's like Bravo's like, look at what you made your daughter. And the daughter is like, look at what you made me. I'm a product of you. <laughs> and then moms become like really defensive. Yep. Of like, no, no, I did the best I can, which is probably totally true. You know, yeah. momming is hard. They probably did do the best they can. But we do see a lot of that with like OC with Dr. Deb being like, okay, your childhood wasn't that bad. What do you want me to do? Like I was doing the best I could. And the only person I can think of, but she hasn't been on TV very long that I think defies this is Stephanie Holman. Okay, yes, but I would argue that her insecurities about herself that she does talk about a lot, like she's super, super codependent and suffered from a great deal of depression, I believe could come from also the fact that she had a super conservative household. 
Right. Like very, very rigid and like couldn't talk about a lot of things. She couldn't explore anything, any of her thoughts or feel like sexually or, you know, indep- even independence wise, she couldn't do that. So I think it kind of trickled over a little bit into her adulthood and then like her need over needing her husband and then not really feeling secure in who she was. Cause she has talked about her like depression and her suicidal attempts at an early age, which I right. think could kind of come from like it just being like a really rigid household. But I do think she had probably the most loving of the dynamics we've seen. Right. And it sounds like her parents have gotten a little calmer in their older age. Which is always nice. We love an older, you know, more chill. More chill, (laughs) extremely far-right Christian group. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Why not? As long as they're not hurting anyone, I'm scared. Now, I wanted to get your thought on some shade that I saw on Instagram between Katie and Robin. So here's the deal. I'm not going to read it verbatim, but Katie has a post where she's very frustrated that she's not at the reunion and isn't given a chance to talk despite being a huge part of the drama this season. Probably the, like a 40%, I would say she was probably 40% of the plot's like bicycle. Right. She really pushed it along. I have some theories on why she's not in the reunion, but we can get into those in a bit. So she says on Instagram that she was in an impossible situation when they were in the Cayman Islands, that she was not feeling well at all. She had a doctor come to her room. He prescribed antibiotics and told her to stay out of the sun. Now, Uh I'm a total health nerd, so I'm pretty sure he prescribed something that was like doxycycline that actually makes you more likely to get burned, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So she was in the sun the next day with them and wasn't feeling well again, thought maybe she might be pregnant and decided to leave, told everyone she wasn't feeling well, but didn't appear to be very open about the fact that she was going to leave. I think that she, oh, and then her hashtag was editing involves integrity. Um, mm. And she also shades Robin in this post saying Robin, basically how Robin was a horrible host for the whole week they were there, saying she okay. couldn't host a five-person dinner without her Amex being declined. Oh my God, Katie right? is sometimes a mess. my favorite person. So, I but can't stop so watching. interesting. So many thoughts on that. But let's get into what Robin said that was later deleted, either probably by Katie. But her comment basically was claimed that at the Ladam launch, that Katie was drinking. So she knew she was pregnant and she was drinking a lot. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. And then Katie loses the baby, which we all know. I because remember that. Yes. She posted a video of herself having a miscarriage on Instagram. It was very stressful. I did not know what I was watching at that point. Right. So that's why I think she's actually not being asked to be on the reunion, because I don't think that Bravo thinks she can pass a basic psychological evaluation, which I know they make people go through which i can understand i just wonder are we is everyone being held to different standards because i i mean is this a new rule are we going to uphold this totally because i mean i just feel like at some point if we're going to say that katie can't come because she can't pass you know basic psychological stability you know test which is understandable i might concur with that 
but then we're opening a can of ethics that I don't think yeah. Bravo would adhere to across the board because I've watched them have reunion after reunion where something was not right with at least one or two people on that stage. I remember Vicky came once to an OC reunion, like completely high on some kind of mood stabilizer or like a Xanax or something. And they asked her, did you take one? And she was like, no. And they're like, are you sure? And she was like, totally wonked. Like would not even. I know what you're talking about. Right. You know, I think there's, it's so weird, but there's like the acceptable areas of, psychological instability for Bravo and then there's the areas that I think are where they start to think it's a liability and I completely understand and I actually would agree with that that's okay certain things just we need a little bit of crazy to make housewives but work. like Kim that's Richards fine. where they were like yes. you can't be on the show you're an alcoholic and an addict but and- then like Luann, but they also let Kim stay on for, in my opinion, way too long before that even was taken into effect. I mean, she was really going through it. Like her first or second season was a mess, especially her first season on there. It was a mess. I mean, we all knew what was going on and now it's even more obvious than it was before. And even Luann, she was absolutely a liability. Totally. And we just kind of let it happen. So I'm like, if you're going to play the ethics card, Bravo, I don't know. I'm not sure what it is. Not drawing the lines in the right places. I do think that you could not have had Katie on the reunion without asking her about the miscarriage situation. So maybe there was like, there's no way to make for sure we can edit around her saying what happened. Because if I mean, if you have her on the reunion, they're going to ask her why did you leave. But also, they probably didn't want that answer. With Katie, though, I think they're more concerned that she's going to say that the storyline was fake, that they knew that she was leaving, that they were going to, like, blow the lid on some of the production is what some of it sounds like. She also said that her mom was talking to Andy Cohen. That is weird in itself. The... I don't know. There's only a couple times where I've seen someone on TV where I was like, they don't seem to have the faculties to make the decision to be on the show and they should be removed. And that was definitely, right. I think with probably with Katie, not by how she behaved on the show this season, but by her behavior on Instagram. And then yeah. um, Carolyn from below deck last season. Okay. Um, yeah. Who was, it was just so obvious <laughs> that she um, didn't seem to even be able to make her own decision. Yeah. yeah. So it was just crazy, but I, I that was a lot for Robin to kind of throw in there that she'd been drinking. Like, what's the point of sharing that? Katie had already lost the child. No need yeah, to. Yeah, and she had already kind of lost the job because if they don't ask you back for the reunion, they're likely not going to have you come on and be a friend of next year. Like, you're probably, she's probably done. Even more seriously, I think she lost her kids. Like, I think she lost custody of her children. Yeah, it's kind of been a a nightmare over there for her. And she's Uh, kind of been going on this redemption tour on Instagram of, like, I am not that bad and I am a good person. I do think, though, she does a good job of throwing jabs and throwing shots. And I think Robin was, like, maybe got hit a little bit below the belt and felt the need to kind of retaliate. Yeah, I just think it's not worth retaliating when it comes to Katie. Yeah, especially not when they're not doing well. Yeah. The only person we haven't really got into actually are Giselle and 
uh, Karen. I adore Karen. She's one of my favorite housewives. So I adore both. Like, I will say I do watch all my housewives objectively, so I don't really usually have favorites because I can appreciate what everyone can bring to the show if they're bringing it. And I think Giselle and Karen bring so much that without, the, I mean, I think they make the show. I mean, they I totally really do watch make the for show. them. They're amazing. Separately, together, they're just incredible. When Giselle came over her house and Karen, like, saged the door, I just, you know, you can't write these things. (laughs) Now, have you heard the rumors about Giselle? What rumors? So, and they, I think they're going to get into it at the reunion, but she has a new man in her life. Oh, that it might be her ex-husband. Yes. If she reconnected with her ex-husband who cheated on her, there is no way she can ever make Robin feel bad about going back to war. Yeah, not even a little bit. I mean, this man cheated on her in front of the entire congregation. Like, he had a huge church in Baltimore. I mean, it was a big deal. He is a big deal. He's still on TV, I think. Like, he has, like, a show with other pastors or something. Like, he's a big deal. So, and she was first lady. Like, it was a huge deal. You cannot get on your best friend for rekindling something with the father of her children if you are going to rekindle things with the father of your children. Totally. Should we get into the OC? If we must. No. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, let's do that. I am I enjoying the season much more than what I thought. It is way better than the last few seasons. And that's okay, probably because there say. is less Vicky. But that's just my opinion. Right. No, I think that you are um, right on the money there. I won't say I like it better than last season, but I won't say that I necessarily enjoying it yet. I feel like I spent half of it watching through separated fingers and the other half with like, my hands on my ears. Right. It's pretty rough, some of the stuff. So a couple things that we'll get into. So Emily throws a birthday party for her daughter. Gina comes late after Ubering her three kids there because she doesn't have her license because she got a DUI. Um, <laughs> we'll go into the things that happen at the birthday party in a little bit. Then we see uh, Tamara's son, Spencer, who's also very wise, <laughs> talk about their uh, his He's an amazing half-brother, amazing Ryan. <laughs> um, Kelly talks about all of her family drama with her brother, JR. Apparently, her mom and her other brother, Eric, haven't spoken to Kelly for two years. She thought they were taking advantage of her financially. Um, then we find out Kelly's boyfriend, Brian, has been renting the place below her, which is hilarious. <laughs> and there is a oh, whole so lot of Bronwyn and her mom, Dr. Deb. Let's start oh, yeah. with Emily's daughter's birthday party. So what I, Gina is, there's face paint at this party. And Gina has her whole face painted as a tiger and while she's talking, about, while she's talking about how the fact she was almost arrested yeah. for not showing up in court. Now, her previous lawyer had told her incorrectly that she didn't need to show up in court when she did. So she fired that lawyer and got another one. But it was a rough thing. It could have been where she was taken away in handcuffs in front of her children. It got very close to that. And I think Emily was trying to relate to her um, and said, well, you know, I was actually pulled away from my kids like in an ambulance. Yeah, and something polarizing for my children to see. Like, I, yeah, I that was that. very. Uh, I I think it might have been when Emily was pregnant because 
she, I, I believe, almost died um, with her twins that oh that was miscarried. No, that's why she, she can't um, carry her own children, that she's been, like, close to death, um, which, like, they've brought up last season when she was saying she really wants another right. girl and would have to get a surrogate and all of that. And anyway... So, but Gina was so taken aback and offended that Emily made it about her, which I don't think Emily was trying to do. And then also is like, well, Shannon and I are best friends now. Like, what is wrong with Gina? And why does she have such an attitude towards Emily? I, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't think, unless Gina is one of those people who can only have like one friend at a time. And there are some she people might who are be. like that. There she are might some people be. who are totally like that. They have to kind of like, you know, deconstruct the one that they're dealing with and break that down slowly as they build up the other one. They can't split their energy because I'm like, other, other than that, otherwise, there's absolutely no reason why she can't connect with Shannon on a very personal and relatable level, but still also be able to support and receive support from her be- supposed best friend who came into this journey with her. I don't understand. A reasonable, rational human being. You would want both. Very odd. So you mentioned that you really like Tamara's son, Spencer. I do I too. Do. He's only 18. Re- he He's is so amazing. mature. And to, from that family with the... I don't know how he does it. <laughs> now, we were talking offline about Tamara and how she's not a favorite of either of ours. No. I detest Tamara. Detest. I think she is lucky that her kids have turned out so well. Oh, my God. It's it's so offensive, all of these things that she does, and she's mean. And the only person she's nice to is Eddie, her husband. And Eddie's not even always nice to her. He's a little, Mm -hmm. he seems a little tired of her stuff sometimes. But I think he's a very good man. And I think he balances her out. But she realizes her marriage is finally stable for the first time in her life. She's in a good marriage. And so she has to bring it by coming up with all kinds of other drama. And so she's a catalyst. And she's pretty good at making people think that Vicky is causing problems when really it's often Tamara. It's literally her that said the words, are you talking about the train? But I also don't expect too much from a woman who's literally using her family and exploiting her family for a storyline on television and will exploit the fact that her daughter does not talk to her, but her daughter has literally made it clear, I don't want you talking about this situation on TV, and Tamara has talked about it for years. And maybe it's because... I come from a broken home. So I have parents who I have one who I did not talk to for a very long time. So I'm very empathetic towards Tamara's daughter, but it's usually it's coming from a place of like, I just want you to listen to me and come out of your own head and your own agenda for a second and stop thinking about how you're the victim because your child doesn't want to talk to you because Tamara, you are not, your daughter did not ask for her parents to get divorced. So she is experiencing something and literally she, Tamara has said, my daughter doesn't want anything to do with this or anything to do with this process or this show. So you decide to talk about her endlessly on TV. That does not make sense to me. So I don't expect too much because if she can't even respect her family and keep a lot of these things on, like, I don't want to know that someone's kids hate each other or are fighting, although it's one ended from Ryan, but I don't want to know that that's not, 
the drama that I'm looking to watch. So I don't need to see like your family dynamic be so bad. And you're supposedly going to beg your son to talk to your other son. I'm like, it just nothing that she says, I believe nothing seems genuine with her. And it just seems like I am being manipulated and it's just not working. So I just get irritated. I, the one thing I am interested in slightly and seen on TV is two family members have a falling out over politics. You know, both of us live in the D.C. area, and yes. it's something that doesn't get on the show very often. So the last time I, I do think, think it represents the, the state of the country. So it's kind of it um, does. It totally does, because within families, people feel differently. Um, especially within white families. <laughs> and it's, very you know, true. very interesting to watch the one son be a hardcore Trump supporter and his um, ex-fiance, Sarah, if you go on her Instagram, yes. she's like going to Trump-type conventions and has Yeah, like they a, definitely were a match made yeah, in But they're having so many problems fighting on Instagram and allegations of potential domestic abuse abuse. and threats and all that mess. And it's, it's interesting. It definitely makes sense that it comes from Tamara's family. Um, This polarizing divide, right? The polarizing, but the domestic abuse abuse is interesting because we're starting to see it more in the OC, which it's just unusual. It's not apparent on the show, but then off camera we hear these stories or these allegations or evidence like this past week I think Gina's ex-husband Matt was charged with like third degree or something felony domestic violence. Right, and they're saying that he lost his, he's like lost his job so he can't even pay out the support that Gina won because he lost his job due to the allegations of the domestic violence. It is crazy. Like, he lost his job for this, and now he can't pay her child support. But whose fault is that? Now he wants her to pay him. It Which is, is absolutely ridiculous. Oh, my God. And so it makes me understand a bit of Gina and how she's so secretive about her relationship and about her divorce. And she's kind of opening up about, oh, he had an affair before and all this. And now he's with the woman now. But yeah. that's not the full story. And we know we're not seeing the full story. So when she gets upset with Emily and is like, your problems are so small compared to mine, I think maybe she's thinking it inside about you know the domestic abuse yeah yeah and i and i understand that that's what i've always wondered i always thought that at some point in the summer before the domestic abuse thing happened with gina and matt they were still seeing each other or like were trying to I work it think out they tried to get back together so i'm like when did when do we see that or are we past that and we're not going to talk about it. No, we haven't seen it yet because I think they're filming now in like February and I think they reconciled in March or April and then the situation happened happened in in June. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So this makes sense because I'm just like, where are we headed? And I'm going to be very curious to see how the ladies react or how Gina rectifies or justifies it at all, you know, feeling these feelings and talking about like, oh, my husband had an affair and being so vulnerable about the demise of her marriage and then reconciling. I, I can definitely I see them not thinking this well. But I think it's also such, it makes the abuse 
is so much more understand like understandable like that she's going back to her abuser um if that's what was going on uh, i but i i highly doubt this was the first time i mean this was a yeah. very very serious thing that he did he held her against her will um so oh and he held her against her will and it was just very serious. So, you know, I, I think that's something that a lot of people are just not as well educated about, which is, you know, right. it's very common for, I think it takes an average of like seven years for someone to leave an abuser. So, you know, it's not unusual, but I think she's going back to him. It's it's interesting. I, I, I try not to talk too much about Gina because I just feel so... It's so dark yeah, and it's so sad. This is exactly what I'm talking about where I watch OC through separating fingers because it's like I don't want to watch her suffer. I don't want to watch Emily have a bad marriage. And then I also no. don't want to hear Tamara and Vicky basically bully. Like I, it's like it's hard to watch, but it is. You're right. It is boring. really. It's not in good taste. Nothing yes. is in good taste. And I'm interested in Bronwyn and her mom. We've... um Dr. Deb is a medical doctor uh, who found herself at Burning Man and has been going for a couple decades, probably since before it was even in the Nevada desert. And she has a husband that I think is 18 years her junior, but they've been married for over 30 years. And she's very eccentric, has different colored hair, wears all kinds of glittery makeup, all kinds of necklaces that say medicine woman and ego on it, but is incredibly dismissive of her daughter's feelings when her daughter brings up what, you know, happened in her childhood, how she was kind of passed around a lot. Her mom was very young when she had her. And she really, and she says, this is what frustrates me so much. When someone, and and I work sort of in the development field, says, well, this is nothing. Like, you know, it's not like you were raised in a refugee camp. Like, it doesn't have to be a refugee camp to be bad. There also, there can be worse, but it doesn't mean that what I'm dealing with is not difficult for me so that's it one it's not mutually exclusive like it's either you know refugee camps or you you better get over it it's not one or the other it's okay for her to feel and she's like mom and and i'm proud of brown for being able to say you're not listening to me i don't feel hurt so i'm going to be shutting down i was like wow emotional maturity i (laughs) i do like brown like a lot i do i like her a lot i have to say i might not be I might be the only one saying this I'm not a big fan of Dr. Deb I'm I'm not over time I've realized something about her just seems incredibly controlling and a little jealous of her daughter I think there's some very intense like dismissive behavior that I don't think tracks with the whole like open-minded and free people and just because you want to save the environment and you like love the bees but are you present in your daughter, in your daughter's life? Right. This is a grown woman clearly still suffering with some resentment from childhood. And I think that as someone who is like what Dr. Deb alleges to be with holding crystals and good energy, she can't even listen without telling her daughter that whatever she's saying is bullshit. And I don't think that's the parallel to what she's you know, right. projecting. And, and dismissing her daughter's only request about her children like if you're in my children's life and you watch them my only thing is not to bring 
our aunt around who yeah. I don't trust uh, with my kids Which for many reasons. Which is not even a matter of respect. She's the mother. She's the mother. Literally, she makes the you rules. You just do what she says. Period. But Dr. Deb is interesting. She is... Um, she uses lingo from Burning Man, I've noticed, in uh-huh. a lot of things that she says. So when her daughter Bron was talking about, you know, mom, like, you left me alone when I was four and, like, sent me on the bus to find my way home and gave me a key around my neck. And she, the mom, Dr. Deb says, well, you know, radical self-reliance which is uh, a term from Burning Man. And I think she's retroactively trying to explain why she was the kind of mother she was and make excuses when all she has to do is say, you know, that probably wasn't so great. I'm really sorry. Wasn't the best idea. Wasn't the best idea. Or or I'm sorry that you didn't, like, looking back, that's not a great experience for you. At the time, I thought I was teaching you self-reliance but maybe that was too young right I was you know? doing the best I could but I, if it I didn't work for you and it upset you so I'm sorry it's that simple one sentence but it's it's fascinating I actually made my first meme probably first and last on Instagram of <laughs> Dr. Deb saying that I wanted to go to Burning Man with Dr. Deb just because she looked like so much fun this was like the first you know when uh, the OC aired and she copied it and she was so nice. I didn't put a watermark of my Instagram handle and she kept it in when she reposted it. It was just very funny. I, I mean, there's no way I would ever want to go to Burning Man. I don't like getting dust like in my eyes. Yeah, um, and I don't think I would want to be lectured on radical self-reliance by anyone. Yeah. But it does seem like a really cool experience and so many people grow in so many ways just from being able to go to an event like that. But it is interesting. Mm -hmm. We've never seen that sort of counterculture or at least it was supposed to be the counterculture being shown. Right, right, right. And it is interesting. Everything about Dr. Deb is interesting. It's just that something about her gives me like the I'm trying so hard to be so anti and be you know interesting yeah and but you can't you can do all of that and have all that garb and stuff and I you still can't hide some of the you know innate human feelings and emotions of I think she's defensive uh, with her daughter because she feels attacked by her daughter's feelings um so you're obviously not that evolved because it has nothing to do with you just because she feels them um, and I think she's a little jealous. I really do. I think, and I've actually, I've had some conversations just in being like a super overzealous, you know, Instagrammer, Bravo podcaster fan or whatever. I've had some conversations with some people in surrounding areas, including some people in that family. And it does seem that there is a little bit of, um, a feeling of entitlement to go on this journey with Bronwyn. So if Bronwyn yeah. goes to the top, Dr. Deb, Deb is going to gonna be on her. the show and right. she's going to be famous too. Right. That's she so wants interesting. to be famous too. Well, that might be a good segue to Dallas because yeah. I have the same feelings around Mama D and Deandra. D acts like it's no big deal to be on the show and it's Andy Cohen that keeps inviting her to the reunions. But I mean, I could understand that though. She makes good TV. <laughs> she makes incredible TV, but man, is she dismissive of her daughter. And her daughter is terrified of her. 
I wouldn't even <laughs> think that she's just dismissive. She flat out is like, whatever Deandra has to say is a hawk of baloney. Don't even listen to her. My daughter knows nothing. Like, literally, I think she is, she doesn't even respect her daughter as a adult, let alone a businesswoman, an individual. I do feel differently because I separately love both Mama D and Deandra. And I feel terrible because I want them to get it together. But at the same time, their dynamic does make good TV. It does seem like a little bit more filtered maybe because I think Dallas. But something about Mama D is like magnetic to it the is. camera. It is, it it is magnetic. How she dresses up for the camera. I think it's the hair. Yeah, it's the I, hair it's and it's the dark eye makeup and it's just how she truly doesn't give a shit. But I had heard her on this week's Grants Rants podcast. And she, I, I have to say, I believe her when she says certain things. And just because she doesn't ever stand up for Deandra, and she says that on the podcast, I never take Deandra's side. I always listen to, you know, all all of what's being said, mm-hmm. and she, she would, including with Leanne. And I think she is onto something where she's like, I think the problem was that Leanne is actually jealous of Deandra. Oh, absolutely, and that's and where so much that, of it comes from. And I that's don't know why how we can think that there's anything else I mean yeah why else would someone especially your best friend mention that you have no money unless they were jealous of your money like it just seemed like Leanne was so ready and excited that Deandra was finally knocked down to a level Leanne could get to right and so her saying you know she has no money it's like because it's something about her probably didn't feel validated in their friendship although I don't believe Deandra's the kind of friend that's going to make you feel like you have to have the same amount of money as her to be friends or that she has more money than you because I don't think she would have married Jeremy if that were the, if that was her right. personality I think she genuinely if she likes you she likes you I've, I'm so interested in Deandra I really want to get so her much. on I my can't. podcast she used to live in D.C. Yeah. Like, she used to live in D.C. and work for the Bush administration, I think, in the energy department. And I would just love to hear her, like, takes on kind of the political situation back then and working in politics and all of that. I'm going to say you should ask because I I will say I am on her schedule for after the season airs um, for her to come on mine. She's incredibly approachable. Really? Literally, it's okay. just that housewives are like not allowed during to the do podcasts during the season. They're really, really picky about where they go because we see an OC. It's kind of a storyline with Emily right. and Shannon. It's like you went on, and, and Shannon's like, I did not go on that podcast. And I think that's a little bit of the reason why. If they're going to talk shade about each other, Bravo has a podcast and an right. after show and yes. their blogs that they don't even do all the time. So they need right. them to like promote it because they're getting paid for that. So they kind of like to do it that way, which is totally understandable. But once the season's over, they're allowed to do whatever they want. <laughs> what do you think of the new girl, Carrie? I love her. I just think that Bravo likes to do tokens and I'm a little over it. Oh, because she's like the token, quote unquote, like Mexican. <sighs> I, I think they've tried two Mexican or Latina shows and, or Latino shows, I should say. And they did not work. I heard and Mexican Dynasties was amazing. It is amazing. It got zero ratings. I think they might give it a pity season just because Rihanna tweeted that she loves it. Oh, 
I hope, she oh tweeted God. that she absolutely loves it. And the very next day, the two like main boys were like on Watch What Happens Live as the, bar- the bartenders. And Andy was like, Rihanna's saying she loves your show. How do you feel about that? Which is what Andy does to promote. He does about He doesn't. He wants the them to do well. He does, but that's like the only promotion that they'll get is at 11 o'clock at night while we're interviewing other people that people are watching. Well, you know, the the cast of Summer House and Below Deck used to always be bartenders, and now Below right. Deck is gaining a ton of steam. But Below Deck Med is not getting a reunion. Justice no, for Below not. Deck Med. I, I do wish they had a reunion, but I also I love feel like Sandy. I do love Sandy. I would like to see where they're what they're doing, but I think that they would have had to basically pay too much money to get them all flown in and do all that stuff. And I don't think it was worth that because of all the different things they have going on. It seems like Bravo is getting really tight budgeted these days. Like they're cutting things and they're not getting, everybody can't come to the party. And it just seems like they're, they're, you know, tightening the purse strings a little bit, which I'm not mad at, but I do feel like they should flesh out more diverse content. I believe Texacana's should have been a bigger thing it was not produced well, but the concept was literally that of a housewife show, but they didn't produce it as that, but aired it anyway. And I like Carrie a lot. I just feel that that is having one, you know, Latina housewife in Dallas to represent the fact that a large population of Texas is Latina, like a a large part. I don't think it's enough. I think they probably should have just did a, where Texacanas was located, I think, was San Antonio or something. Just oh. done like a real housewives of San Antonio. It's a right. big city. There's a lot of money. All those ladies had money. Produce it the right way. You could literally do a Latina-based housewife show and have Carrie in Dallas, and people will watch both. Like, no one's going <laughs> to be like, not enough white. We don't want to watch. Like, I know. <laughs> they finally have a woman of case. color on Beverly right. Hills, which is going to be incredible. I will admit I am such a fan of Garcelle. I, I, I mean, have you heard what she did about her ex-husband? Oh, apparently she emailed the entire talent agency that Everyone. he worked at about how he cheated on her. You don't want to trust this man because I can't trust him. And I was like, you're right. Why would I want to trust the man that cheats on his wife? To all of his what coworkers. Incredible. She's going to be I the grand of Beverly Hills. And she I give Kyle a run for her money. I also want Cynthia Bailey to be on Beverly Hills. I think uh, more than anything, Cynthia Bailey should go on over to Beverly Hills. I really think that she she's gonna, is, she would she fit in move so in LA. well. Yes. Absolutely. That would be amazing. And she fits in. She's beautiful. She definitely would fit in with the cast. And I do think that Garcelle, though, is going to be the new grand dom. And I actually think Carrie has the potential to give even like Leanne a run for her money. Because she I think doesn't she's care. A, a, she yeah. does not care. She does not. She's a force. I love it. What did you think of Deandra's 50th birthday roast? <laughs> I love, I mean, I'm such a Deandra apologist, but I do love this whole cast. I think that each and every one of them are so unique that it works well. And I think Deandra having a roast is so like not her. It doesn't seem like something she would do. Her mom is super, you know, a little conservative and she's kind of, I won't say uptight because she's been having a lot more fun since she's become friends with like 
Brandy and opened up, but it didn't seem like her. And that's all the more reason why I loved it. But I did low key love Leanne's responses and her confessionals as of like, not a roast. No, it wasn't. Not a roast. Only not Brandy a roast. roasted. And then she goes, now that's a roast. And I was like, yeah, that was, but that's Brandy. That's her personality. And that's why we love her. But she's right. It was not a roast. It was a lot of praising of Deandra. You know what? I get, I want your take. I'm shocked Mama D didn't roast her. I wonder if they just didn't show it. <gasps> Good point. I feel I'm like not they mad. just I didn't. Hope they, did. I, they could have had people actually roast her, and they only showed the compliments at the end of each roast. Oh, to make it a little bit more yeah. dramatic when Leanne yeah. got up on the mic. Okay. I, that's what I think. There's I no way that to people Mama didn't D actually make her. fun of her. I, right. Mama D's also a lot older than we think she is. She's oh, like yeah. a lot older. And so I don't know if she understands certain concepts. <laughs> like <laughs> she also she's on like I don't think she like understands the concepts of a roast. She also she barely understands the concept of Twitter. She like write it's like it's like she's writing an email to her fans. She's like, Hi everyone, and she writes about herself in the third person on Twitter. Oh it's my like she's God. dictating to her phone. Like, for it to dictate tweets. Oh, my God. It's so funny. I will say I would I would have liked to see Jeremy roast her, too, because I'm curious to see what Deandra looks I like. I bet like he did. Because he gave her the 50 donuts. Right, right. So I, I bet there was something before that. that. They, they right. cut so much, I they bet. They had to have, just to make room for Leanne. And I wish they wouldn't do that. Like, Bravo really does treat... Dallas like the ugly stepchild and I wish that they didn't I think this cast has potential to be great and this it's like so organic I realized I was thinking last night what actually happened on this episode did I actually like it I was like I think I liked it just because it was good like there was no major fight no major plot development and we know they're going on a trip so it was kind of like an introductory episode but it was good like it was a good episode they're all so different very different. very different Cameron and Stephanie by nature could should be like the same person and they could not be more different they are so I didn't realize until this week and I actually wrote it down in my notes Cameron actually seems like she would be fun to hang out with doesn't she <laughs> and I she, don't know why I, I did not get think I didn't that. think that before yeah no me neither <laughs> because I think she seemed like wound up too tight like didn't want the sex jokes yes the she last, did seem a little you know, bit want. She cried over the brown penis. I, but I think that probably has to do with her being worried about upsetting her husband and his family. And yes. you know more than her now. Looking back, Sassy. yes. Oh my god, my dog! I need to get my dog. Hold on, I'm gonna hold her for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> Okay, I went to just grab my puppy, Stassi, who is playing with all of her squeaky toys in the background. But we were just talking about how Cameron just seems like so much fun to hang out with. And I I really do think that this whole, like, but the last few seasons, I think she's just gotten more comfortable being on camera. Which is good. I'm happy for that. Totally. I will say I did used to live in Dallas and uh, there is nothing more accurate than, than, in fact, I think that the Dallas women that they chose makes Dallas seem like even more, you know, flexible and open-minded. Cause I will say that 
season one-ish or two, I would say, of Brandy's kids being kicked out because she said Jesus Juice on TV. Yep. That is more aligned with the Dallas that I remember. I know. I... I just I feel so bad for Brandy. I think she's getting I know that she's putting her kids on TV, but they're get, giving an edit of her daughter being a total brat. Maybe she is, maybe she's not, but they film how many hours of the day and they're showing us 5 minutes. And right, right. And they do they film a long time and I I've listened to Stephanie and Brandy's podcast and Stephanie has actually said before that her kids they do know and are really enjoy they enjoy the crew being in their house but sometimes yeah. they'll come home and they had a bad day or they were looking forward to just hanging out with mommy but mommy's still working and they're not used to that because these women's these women were housewives housewives they, they actually so they had full access to mommy whenever they needed mommy and now it's like they make their kids come first but like they like the crew but they're like I'm restless they're they're kids their kids and I I didn't think it was crazy for Brandy to take her daughter Brooklyn shopping because Brooklyn was being a brat thinking that the reason Brooklyn was being bratty was that she was acting out that she wasn't getting enough one-on-one attention right, from right, the mom. right 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 yeah I do agree with you I mean I was raised in a don't reward bad behavior thank you like very classic black mom proverbs but I do also agree that I think that it was because she felt like she needed to give her oldest daughter more time and that happens when you have three kids you tend to give your attention as a one person human being that you are to -hmm. whomever you think needs it the most and you think that's a a tiny baby and then um not as tiny baby but a small child versus a 10 year old who can like wash herself clothe herself feed herself and there's no getting over the mom shaming. People are going to be so mean about how you parent regardless. And I try not to comment on parenting, especially because I'm not right. a parent. That's but not unless, my business. Unless it's Tamara. Because <laughs> yeah, her kids, when her kid turned 18, when Sydney turned 18, she penned that like one-time essay where she was like open letter to her mom and was like, this is my problem with you. This is what I'm asking you to do. Please respect my privacy. And so we know what the kid is thinking, and we see the mom not respecting the kid's privacy over not and not over respecting. and over She's again. exploiting it. Yes. We watched her get on a mic and fake cry. Like, yes. oh, it's, it's, and, and it's, still talking about it. Like, to yeah. this day, it's been like five years. I know. I know, Tamara. Uh, I can't stand it. And I'm surprised that, like, I'm even surprised that, like, and then what she does on social media where she just made like that train joke the other day in her caption with Vicky, it was like, we just took the seven train quote unquote. And I have to say it wasn't a bad ride or something really like ridiculous. I was surprised at the amount of other housewives that were like, Oh my God, so funny. Like a lot of the Dallas women did it. But I also think that it was because like, they're really trying to solidify themselves in the Bravo world. And I think that if they see themselves, you know, with, if people see them with other more established housewives or getting along with them, it's kind of like a, uh, not punching up, but like they're trying to like climb that ladder a little bit. If they do, like Ramona, what Ramona does in New York at the table, not sitting with Dorinda, sitting with other people who are a little bit richer and better and wanting to be in society in New York, it's kind of what they're trying to do. And I get it, OC is an established brand, but I wish that more housewives would feel comfortable not liking each other. Like, I love a crossover, but when it's genuine. If Tamara's not a likable human, I do not believe that many other people really like her. She seems like a big pot stirrer 
and a mean woman. Like she seems mean. She is and mean. unapproachable. And Brandy Glanville, formerly of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, is taking oh, Tamara to task all over Twitter and on Do her it. YouTube drinking and tweeting and she even released private messages that Tamara had sent her. Yes, Brandy. I love Brandy Glanville. The Brandy's really do it for me on Bravo. I don't know what it is. She Something hasn't about been that. on in so long yet she's still so influential. She's such a big deal still because her her seasons, man, I've watched since, I, like I said, I, I've watched Beverly Hills since the very first season and the first two seasons were dynamite. I mean, they're really, really good out of the gate. One, it, largely in part to Camille. It's kind of it was her and Kyle's show from the beginning with Lisa Vanderpump being a large influence on why the show was interesting. But once Brandy hit that stage, it was almost like it was fire. It, she was a hundred percent herself. Nothing about that was filtered, edited for TV. She is the same on and off camp. She was fun to watch and I miss her more and more each day on Beverly Hills (laughs) so what do you have any final thoughts on this week in Bravo um I'm ready to take OC out back and shoot it I'm over it um (laughs) or completely facelift it the same way all the other women have gotten a facelift Oh, just like how Deandra got her a neck lift and that's why she missed Andy Cohen's baby shower Right, Leanne. Leanne shared that. I was like, "That's so shady." (laughs) I think more people need to watch Dallas and Potomac. They are the underdogs, but they are literally going to deliver Bravo to the heavens. They're the best ones. It makes no sense because everybody hate watches all the other franchises, and they're like, "Oh, I'm so over it. I might just give up on House." I was like, "No." Take your butt over to Potomac and take it down to Dallas and you will be fine. You'll be saved. But other than that, I think that OC, half the cast can stay, mainly because I think they need the money. The other half can go. I am <laughs> so <dark>. thrilled <laughs> for this entire Dallas season. It, we're just getting started Me and I can already feel like too. it's going to be good. And oh, I'm, I'm so sad that Potomac is over, but I am pumped for this reunion how about you i cannot wait for this reunion like sunday could not come soon enough can it come like sooner the fact that i have to get through these democratic debates first i know it's stressful (laughs) (laughs) i have to do that and then i have to sit through a reunion that's a lot of stress in one weekend but i'm ready for it i just feel like potomac's reunion is going to give me so much and it's three parts oh it's three parts oh my god three parts hearing this Yes, yes. I, Andy Cohen tweeted because someone asked him, I think, on Twitter, how was the Potomac review? And he was like, good, all caps, lots got got through a lot, three parts, don't want to miss. Like all little phrases. It's and I was be like, so good. And he does not no disappoint. No, I was like, say no more, Andy. I'm there. Whatever it is, I'll just, nothing is ever happening for me for three weeks on a Sunday night. Nothing. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Moni, for being here. And thank you so much for having me. Tell everyone where they can find you online and with your podcast. Yeah, so I'm on all podcast platforms, the Apple, the Google, the Stitcher, the whatever. So on all of them at Mixing with Moni and on Instagram under the exact same name, um, M-I-X-I-N-G-W-I-T-H-M-A-N-I. Feel free to follow me dm me i'm super super open even though i'm close to a thousand followers i literally still try to reply to every single person talk bravo with me but if you want to find 
Housewives news, Bravo news, pop culture news. I do do cover some other stuff and some shady fun memes that are also Bravo related and just overall relatable. Come check me out on Instagram and listen to my podcast where I will be doing pretty much the same thing I was doing here, talking a lot of mess and being (laughs) overly opinionated and obsessed with people I've never met. Yes, but I mean, that's the people that you need to talk shit about. Don't talk shit about your real friends and family. (laughs) Never. And never meet your heroes. That's why I have like a strict like, will not really try to become friends with any of these people. You know, if they if they come on the sh- in my podcast or something or not, or I talk to them on Instagram, that's one thing. But like, never meet your heroes, ladies and gentlemen. Don't Just watch them on TV. <laughs> that is, that is, that is really good advice. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being on, and Absolutely. talk to everyone in two weeks. Also, you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus, the bulbous walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus, the bulbous walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.